Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 231 in the, in the heartbeat here of rookie draft season. Super fun. We are actually going to go through one more of my rookie drafts that went through in my diehard league. I always say this before I do these podcasts, these sometimes are easier to read than they are to listen in podcast form because I'm just going to be listing a bunch of the names of where players were picked. So I did a write-up of this draft on the website too. And so if you prefer just to go to the website, you can read about this draft or look at it all together. Um, so you can feel free to do that. But if you'd like to listen, I'm going to talk about this Die Hard draft. Just a little context for this draft, the Die Hard League is one that I commission. Uh, five years ago, I started a new dynasty league and I asked a lot of the most active managers and several other leagues that I was a part of to form one new league that we would call the diehards. And this meant that we were gonna be the ones that were super active year round. You know how you get kind of in a few dynasty leagues where people go silent a bit. This league was intended to get formed by guys that are gonna trade and work and talk all year round. And as expected, it's become one of my most active leagues It really is my most active league with trades and talks taking place year-round. It's been a blast. Five years ago it started. I made the playoffs the first four years, but I never advanced to the Super Bowl even, so that was pretty frustrating. Last season, however, was the first time that I did not make the playoffs. I finished with a 7-7 record. My team is getting older, and I've, you know, moved from being kind of a perennial top four team in this 12-team league to being kind of a middle four team right now. Unfortunately, I did not make many trades for picks last year, so I only had one pick per round in this draft. Uh, still, I was pleased with the players that I got, especially the first two, which I'll talk about shortly. But first, let me say, for context, it's a 12-team, one-quarterback, half-PPR league uh, with nine starting positions. We start a quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, and then you have two flexes. It's a 30-man roster um, right after the rookie draft, and then it gets cut down to a 25-man roster before the season starts. And so... Trying to rebuild my team, uh, was pick number four, uh, so finished fourth from last, and trying to see what I can do to improve my team. I'll talk about my picks every round, and I'll also just talk about some of the things that I observed about this draft compared particularly to other drafts that I've been a part of so far, and give me just a chance to talk about a couple different players that maybe I haven't talked about on previous podcasts. So here we go. Round number one went like this. Bijan Robinson and Jamar Gibbs, Anthony Richardson, Four, JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Five, Jordan Anderson. Six, Quinton Johnston. Seven, Dalton Kincaid. Eight, CJ Stroud. Nine, Zay Flowers. Ten, Kendra Miller. Eleven, Zach Charbonnet. And twelve, uh, Devin Achain. All right, so Bijan Jameer, Anthony Richardson, JSN, Addison, Johnston, Kincaid, Stroud, Flowers, Kendra Miller, Charbonnet, and then Achain. So I'll start by saying this draft started with a massive trade for the 1.1. And so I've been wondering all the time, like what would it really take to trade up to get the 1.1 in this year's rookie draft? Well, I got to find out in this year's draft. So the night before the draft started, the manager with the 1.1 posted in our group me that he was willing to move off for the 1.1 for a package deal. And I woke up the following day and saw that he had found a trade partner. 
Here's what it was. He received Kenny Pickett and the 1.3 and 1.7, which he then turned into Anthony Richardson and Dalton Kincaid. In a one-quarterback league, I was actually pretty shocked to see Bijan traded for what turned out to be two quarterbacks and a tight end because he got Pickett in the deal, and those two picks, like I said, turned into Richardson and Kincaid. Uh, the manager who sold the 1.1 needed to improve at quarterback because he only had Mac Jones and, and Desmond Ritter on his roster. So he picked up Pickett, and I thought that was it. He just got one more young quarterback. I assumed that he would be done, but was very surprised that he picked up Richardson at 1.3 when I bet he could have just waited 1.7 to pick up a quarterback, pick up Richardson in a one-quarterback league. I've completed three rookie drafts so far in one-quarterback leagues, and this is the highest that I've seen Richardson go, and it's the highest that I've seen Kincaid go. And so if I was to pick a side of this trade, I would rather have Bijan and, and Pickett than Pickett, Richardson, and Kincaid for sure. I like that side of it. Because Richardson did get picked at 1.3, that meant that JSN fell to me at 1.4. I had kind of assumed all along that, that it would kind of go what I assumed would be kind of chalk in this draft. That would leave me with Jordan Addison, Addison at 1.4. But instead, I was able to draft my top-ranked rookie wide receiver in JSN. I think he's going to take some time for, for him to you know become the top-tier wide receiver in Dynasty because of the competition for targets that they have in Seattle. Still, uh, he could replace Lockett as the second most targeted player next year in 2024 and eventually become the top target. I was thrilled to get my you know, number one receiver at 1.4. I thought I was going to have to go with my number two receiver. Thrilled to get JSN there. As for the rest of this round, a couple things surprised me a little bit. Uh, the CJ Stroud pick at 1.8 was a little curious to me. That's the highest that I've seen Stroud selected in a one-quarterback league. The team that you know uh, selected him, though, I did look at his, his roster and realized he had some big question marks at, at quarterback with Geno Smith, Ryan Tannehill, and Trey Lance. And Geno Smith is the only one of those that's maybe undoubtedly going to be the starting quarterback for his team in 2024. The same can't be said of Tannehill and can't be said for Lance. So I understand why, you know, maybe in this first round he had to draft for need. The next, his next pick was not until 2.8. And so uh, that was actually one pick before Bryce Young was taken. So maybe he could have waited and taken Young. Or maybe he just liked Stroud significantly better than Young and didn't want to take the chance, just wanted to grab his guy. Little curious, the highest I've seen him picks, but he did have a quarterback need in that league. And then I'll comment on the last two picks, where it was uh, Charbonnet uh, was again drafted after Kendry Miller, which is so surprising to me. It's the second time actually that I've seen Miller drafted ahead of Charbonnet, and I just don't get why. Uh, they're not even close to my rankings. I have Miller 14 spots behind Charbonnet at 23, and Charbonnet then at nine. Uh, so pretty wild. Uh, Miller, you know, has uh, gone, you know, in the first round of all my rookie drafts, um, which that also doesn't make sense to me, so I'm definitely the outlier on that. I just think that Alan Kamara, yes, he's probably going to get suspended, but that means that Miller might get some immediate playing time in year one, but still, Kamara and Jamal Williams are both signed through 2025 and are just far better running backs than Miller is, and so I'm willing to be proven wrong on this. I'm going to own it, and you guys can hit me up, and I'm willing to be wrong but Miller's getting drafted uh, way too high in all of my leagues, in my opinion. Those are comment, a couple comments there from the first round. Let's look now at the second round of this draft. went like this. Pick 13 was Marvin Mims. 14, Jonathan Mingo. 15, Tajay Spears. 16, my pick, was Michael Mayer. 17, Sam Laporta. 18, Rashi Rice. 19, Josh Downs. 20, Roshan Johnson. 21, Bryce Young. 22, Chase Brown. 23, Tank Bigsby. 24, Jalen Hyatt. So, I'll start with my pick here. I drafted my top-ranked wide receiver in round one, and then I got my top-ranked tight end in round two. I was very happy to have Meyer fall, fall to me there 
at 2.4. Jonathan Mingo was the only player that I would be tempted to take ahead of him in this particular draft. Mayer Farrell, you know, did fall further in the NFL draft than I expected after not you know, testing well at the Combine. But uh, I value college production over testing, and Mayer dominated from the day he stepped on campus. Again, I've said this before, I think, but he was the number two ranked tight end in the recruiting class of his class and the 23rd ranked recruit in the whole country that year. His pedigree and his production keep him atop of my rankings, even ahead of Kincaid and Laporta, who were both drafted ahead of him in the NFL, but were not drafted ahead of him here. In fact, when I picked Mayer, I got an instant message back on our group meet with a guy that was hoping that Mayer would fall to him, and his very next pick, he picked Laporta, which I would have done the same thing. I had them back-to-back in my rankings at that time as well. Tight ends, you know, they do take time to become, you know, fantasy relevant, so I know I'm going to have to wait a little bit probably, but it didn't take him much time to produce in college. Like, maybe he can do it again in the NFL. Uh, Either way, I'm very confident that he's going to be a top-tier tight end for years to come for me. Yeah, the rest of this round really uh, didn't have too many things to comment on. It was actually pretty chalky. A uh, few minor surprises. I've yet to see Mims get drafted ahead of Mingo, which he did here. Mims was 13, where Mingo was 14. I've not seen that yet. Um, I do have a back-to-back in my rankings, but Mims has gone 7, 10, and 15 spots after Mingo in my other rookie drafts. So that was a pretty big surprise to see Mims go ahead of Mingo, when in other drafts he's fallen 7, 10, and 15 spots behind Mingo. Second thing I'd say, I was also a little bit surprised to see Chase Brown get drafted ahead of Tank Bigsby. I have him back-to-back in my rankings also, uh, though I don't, you know, so I don't have a big problem with, with Brown going ahead of Bigsby. When I look, look, look back at the other drafts that I've had so far, Brown went three spots ahead, ahead of Bigsby in one of my drafts, and uh, but then the other ones, he went eight and 13 spots behind Bigsby in other drafts. Uh, clearly, there's some difference of opinion on both Bigsby and Chase Brown, I'm seeing that now with the many drafts that I've had. Interesting that Brown went right before Bigsby at 22, Bigsby at 20, uh, Brown at 22, and Bigsby at 23 here at the back of the second round. Interestingly enough, too, uh, there was a league manager that didn't have a first or second or third round pick, but he traded up to get Bigsby at this spot right here at pick 23. And what he gave away to get Bigsby as a rookie, he gave away Odell Beckham and James Robinson. So Odell Beckham and James Robinson moved up to 23 to get Bigsby fun in-draft trade that took place there. Now, round three, I'll mention a couple players and talk about who I drafted, and um, here's how it went in round three. Jalen Reed, 25, 26, Tank Dell, 27, Cedric Tillman, 28, Luke Musgrave, 29, Izzy Abanacanda, which is my pick, 30, Dwayne McBride, 31, Michael Wilson, 32, Deuce Vaughn, 33, Zach Evans, 34, Will Levitz, 35, Luke Schoonmaker, 36, Eric Gray. I was really surprised at first of, uh, here to see Reed fall into the third round. Uh, he had the, he had the highest draft capital of any player that was available at that time and uh, was picked here the first pick of the third round. It's definitely a very crowded young group of pass catchers there in Green Bay, both the receivers and the tight ends, but he's got as good a chance of any as becoming you know, Jordan Love's new favorite target. It's going to be a clean slate there, and so I like that pick there at round three. That was a good steal of a pick. As for my pick, um, I picked a Banacanda at 3.5. Um, I like filling my roster full of NFL RB2s, guys that you know are going to get a chance if the starter ahead of them gets hurt. And I really think that a Banacanda can outperform Mike, Michael Carter and become Brees Hall's backup. I really believe he can. Um, I had a Banacanda in the first round as a first-round draft pick in my rankings before the NFL draft. I love the player, but hated the draft capital and the landing spot that made me move him back down my board so far back 
that he's now a third-round pick. But before, I thought of him as a first-round talent. But you got to factor in that draft capital and, uh, and landing spot for sure. Landing spot buried him under Hall. But at this point in the draft, I really like to have, you know, backup running backs. And he, I think, can ascend to be Hall's primary backup, which could be good for him. As for other things in round three, um, kind of just felt like a pick-your-poison kind of round uh, where running backs, you know, who hope to this, do the same thing I am, trying to pick up RB2s that might be able to work themselves into backup roles. After I did a Banacanda, then there's McBride that went in Minnesota, maybe with the hopes of uh, Dalvin Cook getting cut. Vaughn that's there to maybe back up and try to earn his way to become um, my primary backup in Dallas. And then we had Evans that was drafted, hoping that he can get behind Cam Akers. Then there was Gray, hoping maybe he could move up to be the backup behind Barkley. This is kind of what you do in the third round. Everyone, you know, tries to try to grab a backup running back here. And I grabbed the first one and started a little wave, a little movement of, of guys that got drafted. Um, I would have actually drafted Evan Hall ahead of all these guys, though, after Abanacanda. I would have drafted Hall ahead of McBride, Vaughn, Evans, and Gray. Um, but he fell into the next round, which you'll hear about. I currently have, you know, McBride ranked the lowest of all these that were drafted in this round. But McBride needs to move up my rookie rankings a little bit as the rumors continue circulating about Dalvin Cook getting cut or, you know, getting traded. McBride, you know, would still have to climb up the depth chart ahead of Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler, though. So um, I, I just have, you know, a little bit higher. Uh, he was also the least highest uh, draft capital. So McBride was interesting there. There's a lot of other running backs I probably would have went, went with as a backup um, ahead of them. All right, round number four went like this. Puka Nakua, 37, 38, Sean Tucker, 39, Hendon Hooker, 40, my pick, Keishon Butte, uh, 41, Evan Hull, 42, Charlie Jones, 43, Darnell Washington, 44, Xavier Hutchinson, 45, Tyler Scott, 46, Tucker Craft, 47, Parker Washington, 48, A.T. Perry. A couple of thoughts on this round. Uh, Puka Nakua, he went the first pick of the fourth round. I was sad. I kind of wanted to get him. He's a player that I'm sneakily trying to get in every rookie draft, but he was taken a little earlier, earliest that I've ever seen him get drafted, actually. Someone else has a little bit of a mindset like I do. That was a good pick to start this round. He's a super aggressive player that I feel like Sean McVay is going to know how to use, and he only has to beat out Ben Skoranek and Van Jefferson for playing time, and I think that he is sure to be able to do that. A couple other points about this. Uh, again, I drafted uh, Keishon Butte, get my reasoning behind that. Uh, he too, like a beta Kando, was a first-round draft pick when I first released my rookie rankings the first week of February, so just right before the Super Bowls when I put up my way-too-early rookie rankings. And back then, he was a first-round draft pick, but he performed poorly at the Combine and his pro day, and then reports about his character, work ethic, and stuff like that has led him, you know, really his draft capital in the NFL plummeted, as did his positional rankings and my rookie rankings for sure. Even so, there's a point at which the Patriots did, and which my dynasty team is willing to do to take a chance on him. And that was pretty good for him to fall all the way to pick number 40. So, you know, I'm not holding my breath that the Patriots, who are pretty terrible at drafting wide receivers, can turn him around. But I'm willing to wait and see. You know, the only other player I was considering at this pick was Tyler Scott, who's also a guy that I saw as the next kind of best upside, go with the upside player. Scott was drafted five spots later by the other manager who I know that always drafts for upside as well. And so those are the two guys that I was considering right there and tried to go Butte and hope that he can capitalize on his once Debbie star route that he had. Perfect player to take a chance on in round four when hardly anything hits, at least hit for one with upside, which is why I picked him there. 
couple other players that I like that were drafted in this round uh, that hope fall to me in some of my other, other drafts. I like Charlie Jones and I like Xavier Hudson in this round. They're players that really you're going to have to stash for probably at least a year while some of the other wide receivers that are ahead of them in their depth charts maybe expire on their contracts. But when they do, uh, these managers, if you're patient with them or if you have taxi squads, these are two of my favorite players to try to grab in the fourth round. Charlie Jones for Cincinnati, Xavier Hutchinson working his way into Houston as well. Finally, we'll go through pick number five, uh, chap- chapter number five, right? <laughs> Round number five, I should say. Round five went like this. 49, Chris Rodriguez. 50, Brenton Strange. 51, Trey Tucker. 52, Mohamed Ibrahim. That was my pick. Uh, 53, Deverick Pierce. 54, Elijah Higgins. 55, Stetson Bennett. 57, Zach Koontz, 50, or 56, Zach Koontz, 57, Trey Palmer, 58, Matt Landers, 59, Randall Cobb, our first vet, and 60, Kenny McIntosh. Now, I can't say a whole lot here. It's pretty unfair to criticize any fifth-round pick in a 12-team draft, that's for sure. Everyone just took a shot on, quote, their guy in this round, including the first veteran player, like I said, and Cobb that was then. And honestly, there were a few players that were not even in my rankings, and some whose names I didn't even know that got drafted here, so... We're dealing with diehards. These guys are diehards. They've got their sleeper pick that they want to get in the fifth round. And some of them, I literally didn't even know their name. Pretty wild. But you can't criticize people for what what they draft or what they do in the fifth round. As for me, I drafted an undrafted uh, free agent, Muhammad Ibrahim, in hopes that Detroit's going to give him a chance to make the roster. And if he does, I think that he could really rise to become the RB2 behind David Montgomery, who's often injured. You might say, wait a second. What about Jamar Gibbs? Of course, what about Jamar Gibbs? I think Jamar Gibbs' role is going to be very specific, and it's not going to be, if Montgomery goes down with an injury, it's not going to be him to take over all Montgomery's role. Montgomery needs someone else to take care of his role. You know, Craig Reynolds has done that, has some productive games when he's done that in the past. I just think Ibrahim is much better. What a great college uh, career, great stats. Um, Even though he's coming back off of a major injury, he came back and carried the load like crazy, and he's just the kind of guy that I call, quote, my guy in the fifth round. Loved his college production. Loved that he has a chance to work his way into that depth chart there in Detroit. Love that, no, I don't love that Montgomery gets hurt, but Montgomery has battled injuries throughout his career, as do most all starting running backs. And so my bet's on Ibrahim to maybe make it, make the team there and be able to back him up. Hey, it's a fifth round pick. Doing my best here, right? As for my overall roster, now that this draft is done, um, I, I mentioned, you know, at the start of this podcast, that I am a middle-of-the-pack roster in this league now, and I'm stuck. I'm stuck in a pretty difficult position because I have a few players who can single-handedly win games for me, players like Josh Allen and Nick Chubb. In my starting lineup, I've got them, and my starting lineup's not terrible. My wide receivers are definitely my weak point, which I hate to have. I'd rather always be weak at running back. Though I've added some young receivers each of the last two drafts. Still, my 7-7 record last year is about all I can hope for unless some major injuries happen in some of my running backs that I have as handcuffs. If they get, you know, roll into full-time roles due to injuries, that could help me, you know, in this next year. But given this league is very active in trading, I think what I need to do is I need to capitalize on players when they hit their peak. When they hit their peak value, I need to boldly trade them away uh, for future first and second round picks. And uh, even in a one-quarterback league, maybe Josh Allen could do that for me. Maybe I could get a haul of players or picks if I find the right partner at the right time. Nick Chubb's definitely my next best player. I need to get younger again something that I aim to make possible this season as we go through it. My starting lineup in this league would consist right now of Josh Allen, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Dahan Dotson, Zay Jones, and then Evan Ingram. 
and sadly, my flex position, this is where you can see I'm getting old, my flexes would be Robert Woods and Adam Thielen. And so you can see much room for growth, a team that I really need to improve. Like I said, I do have a lot of backup running backs, guys like Deontay Foreman, Jalen Warren. Now I've got Izzy Abanacanda, Pierre Strong, Latavius Murray, Travion Williams, Kevin Harris, and now Muhammad Ibrahim. The only way that I'm going to really have success this year is if some injuries go down at running backs and those guys on my bench become starters because they get the ball way more than we thought. So got a lot of rebuilding to do. We will see what happens with this team. I love it that it's with the diehards, though, because at least it's in a, team, a, a league that's active. Hopefully I can find a way to make my team younger next year. Anyway, that's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Hope you enjoyed that and it gives you a sense of uh, your ADP. I would love to interact with you on yours. Tell, send me a list. One of the things I love to do is just read people's lists of you know how their drafts went. Compare notes to how other managers are thinking about it. Hope this helps you to that end. We'd love to chat anytime. Hit me up at dynastyfreaks at email.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. Much better on email and Twitter, so contact me that way. All right, that's a wrap this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. Speaking of which, I do want to become your most uh, trusted and independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, during draft season, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.